Hello and welcome to the Mental Health Gaming Podcast. As usual, I'm Bradley and I'm joined by my long-term partner. I think we can use that as a term, Stu. I think that's appropriate. Don't think we'll step on anyone's toes doing that. No. No, I think I think my actual partner would be glad to get rid of me. So, you know, yeah, it's a win-win. Yeah, you could blame him, eh? No, definitely not. So, in a in a week where the world seems to be turning in on itself yet again, video games have been an escape. And before we get into the good and the bad of the industry later in the episode, let's talk about what we've been playing. And I'll, as usual, you go first. Well, I wanted to talk about uh, Redout, which is quite an old game now, comparatively speaking. Hmm. But it's a, well, I played it on PC and it's a Wipeout style game. And I say style in that, I mean, it's completely ripped it off sort of front <laughs> to back, <laughs> basically, which is no bad thing because, I mean, God, you know, Sony aren't doing them anymore and Psygnosis had disappeared, so why the hell not? And um, it's VR. That's the main key ingredient here that drove me towards it. So I saw it in a cell for like three quid on Steam. Mm-hmm. Thought, oh, I'll give it a go. And uh, yeah, it's absolutely great. So I was really surprised. I thought, oh, you know, it'll it'll pro- probably be okay, but it'll probably be in the same sort of tier as, you know, uh, stuff that's come out like um, Fast RMX and things like that. Yeah, which, which I thought were kind of average, maybe just touching above average. But they no, was, it, they, they, they was decent if there was never a wipeout yeah. kind of games. If wipeout yeah. didn't exist, that'd be brilliant. But because wipeout did exist, they are average. Yeah, it's such a high bar. I mean, as a, as a sort of offshoot of that discussion, it wipeout is one of those things that got not the entire formula correct first time, but so close to what was the perfect formula that yeah it you know yeah you can't beat that you just can't beat it you can only copy it so luckily in red out they've copied it fairly closely the only real difference being they sort of mapped the sort of uh tilt um onto the right stick R- tilt left and right so sort of strafe um instead of using air brakes so it's kind of like assign some functions to the second stick but that's basically it, and it looks and sounds very, very similar. So in VR, you know, that works brilliantly, and it's not as good as Wipeout Amiga Collection in, in VR, but it's still, oh, really great. It's so nice to go to a new game like that, and it'd be so good, so really chuffed with that. See, what I've actually found is quite a few of these that actually work really well, because um, I, I, I quite like Wipeout. I'm not very good at Wipeout, but I, I still enjoy playing it. And my fault with it has always been, what are these clones like? And I've, I've actually been okay with them. So there's one um, I've got called Pacer, um, which used to be called something else. Um, and I can't remember what. Formula Fusion. Formula Fusion, that's the one. I and that's that on Kickstarter. So ah, yeah. that, That's pretty good. Again, it's not Wipeout, but it's pretty good. Ballistic or something like that. One of our followers, Fallows, I think he plays it. Uh, that's really good. That looks really fun to play. And that is a pure homage to Wipeout. It's kind of going, look, they're not making Wipeout anymore, so it's more Wipeout. Uh, but yeah, they are all pretty good. And I, I haven't played Wipeout in VR. 
which is an amazing experience that blew my mind and that's the one probably the game that really sort of sold me on what vr is all about it i'd be looking forward to playing something like um mine has gone blank on what you said the game was called now the one you've been playing um, oh no doubt Red out, sorry, yeah, of playing that because that was one of the ones I looked at and I wasn't too keen on to start with. But if that's got a VR option, then yeah, that's one I might jump into at some point as well. Especially, yeah, if you liked the the PSVR version of Wipeout, yeah, definitely. It's an absolute must-have and dirt cheap. So yeah, go for it. I've been playing a fair old amount, actually. I've spent a lot of time sat trying a few different games. Um, there's a few I'm not going to talk about because I'm due to review them or do some videos for them. But there's two I really want to cover, and they are couldn't be more opposite if they tried. One of them, if you've got your indie bingo cards out, ticks a lot of the boxes, and that's Dicey Dungeons, which is a roguelike deck-building game that uses dice to progress through levels as you do like basically card battles and it's got this really interesting premise of being in a game show where you win you can win whatever your heart desires and that that's the concept of it absolutely fantastic um design to it and it mixes like cards with with dice um for the battle so you you start off with like one dice then you can get two three four you can earn more as, as you go through and then you mix these dice with different types of cards, different attacks, defense move, buff, buffs, and all, all, all things like that. And it's really, really good. So you, you have a loadout that you must have, and you get a, a, a number of slots, and you can plug these cards into these slots wherever you see fit. So you can have, I think it's one, two, three, four. I think you've got six individual slots. Some cards will take up two slots. Some cards will take up one slot, that, that kind of thing and things like that so it's just a really good combination of learning synergies uh, much in the way you do with um slay the spire and other games like it it's done in this really sort of cutesy hand-drawn cartoonish style but it's brutal there's there's kind of a dark darkness to it at the same time which is really weird there's the the lead character in it the boss if you will she's very sinister uh, and I, I just really like it. And it's, yeah, it's one I've always had my eye on and never got round to doing it. And it was kindly donated to me um, by a, a reader stroke listener um, of the show. And yeah, I'm so glad I finally got to play this. It sounds very much like a board game, a modern board game, not like Monopoly or crap like that. Yeah. Yeah. I think they're, they're becoming increasingly more popular, that, that kind of conversion to a video game style so you can play it on your own when your mates aren't around. Yeah, and that that's the benefit of these as well. It's like if you in years gone by before sort of like the internet got good enough for stuff like this as well. Um, you either had to have everyone together to play an actual physical ball game, set it up, make sure everyone's in the mood and stuff like that, which is, yeah, whatever. And then you saw the introduction of asynchronous games that took concepts of so something like Advanced Wars, which isn't a ball game, but it was asynchronous and was board game-esque in its setup, more like, a, I suppose, a risk or, or something like that in its influence. Then you saw the likes of Magic the Gathering go digital, so you got Hearthstone or Hearthstone. I've always get that one wrong. 
and now you're seeing like stuff like Dicey Dungeons, which is actually just a single player game, but it has that board game aesthetic. If you look at um, Armello, which is a generally it's a board game just purely in digital form. And I think that's what we're getting at. I'm really glad we are getting these sort of games that are board games, but taking advantage of what a digital platform offers. Yeah, definitely. I agree. You know, there's definite, even being able to see the background, you know, um, yeah. even if it's, if it's RNG, so random number generator, even if it's that, it, there's something reassuring about seeing the dice and seeing the physical process of, of what's making that decision for you that, still feels quite tactile even though it's on a screen it's kind of weird which makes it makes it seem strange to me that we still haven't had a complete digital representation of a dungeons and dragons that just comes across as bizarre to me because when you look at all these and you know you can have it that you can have an ai driven story um and you do the dice rolls and that affects things it does that or you could set that so that basically You've got Dungeons and Dragons you can play digitally with someone from Australia, America, UK, Germany, Japan, France, wherever. And you can just play the game across there, just using the digital format as the background. And that's it. You know, the AI doesn't drive the story. You can drive the story. And you, but you've got the virtual dice rolls there, where it, which everyone can see. And it's just really surprised me that that hasn't become a thing when you look at the amount of different variants of board games there are. I mean, it's not a complaint. It's just one. I, 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 it, for someone like me who's not never really been confident to jump into a Dungeons and Dragons session, for example, but I've always been intrigued by it. It'd be the great starting point for me. So, if someone wants to make that, there, there's your millions there. You can make your millions there. There, are, there's tools that you can buy on Steam that allow you to gather round virtually, but that's not. I don't think it. I don't think it guides any of the story at all. I think it's just like a tool set. Yeah. And I think there's a couple of VR things that allow you to be gathered together. But I, th I think, yeah, I think there's a way, there's a fusion of those that you could have. And, you know, just gather all in VR, have a very themed backdrop for you all sitting there, have avatars, and then have little um, character models that you could then drop onto a map very quickly or and a map that you could create it's all like populous you know the populous map yes yes like something like that that you could put together really quickly with your hands um yeah they should be doing that because it's a great great idea yeah. i also want to see an updated digital representation of the original board game atmosphere completely I've played that one. Oh, you've heard you've heard of it though Stu, please. i have heard Tell of it yeah i've heard of it yeah I played this once, a friend of mine or a friend of the family had it and I played it once and honestly, it's not very good. But the concept behind it was so far ahead of its time that you basically go through this quest and you use the VHS tape and you rewind and play and all stuff like that and it plays through. I want to see someone make that game an homage to it. I'm not saying actually make atmosphere, but where you actually, in the game itself, you actually have to use the VHS player to go through and, and stuff like that. Again, maybe a VR experience, but yeah, it's like, remind, I suppose, because Nightmare is, was 30, 30 years old this week or 33 years old this week, something like that. Yeah. Um, so I'll do a play-by-play -play commentary. So Brad's gone to sort out Edith's daughter, who is a lovely girl. And also a handful, but very good fun. And you should watch her and him on the Twitch stream because they are broadcasting at least once a week 
sh- uh, showing off stuff like Fall Guys and fun stuff that's easy for Edith to get to grips to. She gets bored quite quickly, but for the time that she's there, very good entertainment. I know, we'll buy... Can I carry on now? We'll buy the fire one. We'll do the... Okay, maybe the fire one, but can I carry on now? Yeah. Okay, do you want to go back to your phone while I carry on? Yeah. Okay. Good luck with editing that one, Stu. Yeah, looking forward to it. (laughs) It's real, so... Do you know what? We'll keep most of that in, apart from the actual gap. (laughs) Fair play. So, aside from the dicey dungeons, because I'm not even going to try and remember exactly where I was with, with that last session... I've also been playing Drift 21, which from the outside looks like one of those crappy simulator games because what haven't we done that simulator games that is just not going to be as good as anything that was made properly. You assume it's going to have really poor physics and it's shoehorned in a few bits and it's a fun for five minutes game. Dear my God, I went down a rabbit hole with this game. I can't drift to save my life, which suggests the mechanics on it are spot on. But the bulk of this game is you in a garage, like first person, you're in a garage building a car that's set to, that, that's then meant to go and enter like a drift circuit and do the competitions and, and things like that. So you, you you walk around the garage, you have to choose the right engine, then you fit the engine. Once you've got the engine fitted, you need to then sort of raise the car up on the on the um the garage thing that lifts the car up. I don't know what they're called, it's why I'm not a mechanic. Sorry, two seconds. Yeah, so you lift it up on that thing. What's it called? A hydraulic lift, maybe? I don't know. Probably. Uh, yeah, let's yeah. go with that. Neither of us are mechanics, are we? So I'm gonna let's call it a car sponge. Yeah. Uh, and then you get under the engine and you have to fit the individual sort of like the brake line or the fuel pump and things like that. So it's basically like PC simulator or PC building simulator, sorry, for cars that section of it and it's really really good you have to manage your budget and things like that and then you have to go and do tests bring the car back make adjustments and loads of little little things like that that are way beyond what i actually understand about cars and again if i can't understand it then i'm assuming it's a good representation because all i know about cars is they've got four wheels and you drive them that, that's about all I all I get from cars. So it's got all these bits. But it's yeah, it's a really interesting game. And while I thought I'd play it, I'd have to try and be kind about it because I'm not someone who likes to really sort of like dump on a game, especially when it's trying. I thought, well, I'm going to try and be kind about it. But yeah, bloody hell, it just drew me in. And I can't get enough of it. I'm going to do... Uh, I don't know if I'm going to do a live stream of it or whether I'll just do a five-minute ramble of it but yeah it's so so good and one i hope that doesn't fall too far under the uh, radar it's just unfortunate it's been it's, the marketing of it looks like generic simulator plus date um part 964 unfortunately so but it, yeah it's really good yeah I, i've never heard of that one and i don't think from the name that i get what it was about no, no, that's again, it doesn't, you know, a fair play to them for not 
put in the word simulator into it mm. uh, because that generally, unless it's Microsoft Flight Simulator or, or one of the popular ones like Train Simulator, which are well known, generally, if it's got simulator in it, you kind of go in, gonna be a bit crap. But it just doesn't convey that this is what it is. I really wasn't expecting to go and get this really intricate level of building a car. I was expecting just to go around drifting really poor mechanics. But, it, but it's just not. It's, it's like two games in one. I really like the building of it. I wish I had the option of basically hiring a driver to then go and do the drifting part of it because I can't do that. Um, so I don't know if I've built the car well or not. But, yeah, it's one of those. I, I can't recommend it as, oh, you've got to go out and buy it. But if you see it in a sale on Humble or Steam, definitely worth picking up for a few quid. Cool. So anything else from you that you've been playing? Well, only the continuing obsession with Elite Dangerous, which is ongoing. What solar systems are you... Are you in far-flung solar systems, or have you tried to make your way to the Milky Way? No, I've just been quite local. So I'm in my first ship. I suppose I'm about 10 hours in, and so I've got a refinery and a mining laser. So they're the two components you need to get started with mining, uh, which nets you a fair bit of cash, and also doing sort of courier missions to build up my money. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, it's just even just doing... I mean, they're, they're ostensibly their mundane tasks, but they just feel fun and fresh for some reason, just probably because of the amount of precision you need. And, and when you become accustomed to it, you feel not godly, but you, <laughs> you certainly feel like, you know, very proficient and skilled. So yeah, I'm really enjoying it. Yeah, it's one of the Elite Dangerous, uh, along with, I think, Flight Simulator and things like that. They're one of those games where they've almost got to be hard to pitch, where you're going, look, it's just a super, like, mundane. You don't have all these tasks properly, and, you know, you have to travel from one side of the galaxy to the other in real time, or at least, least, you know, a space-based real time. Everything's properly mapped. It's like, yeah, it sounds great, but... Will it get boring? You're like, no, 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 no. Trust me, it doesn't get boring. It's the same with Flight Simulator. Going, you know, the most exciting parts of, of Flight Simulator are generally taking off and landing. And you're like, well, can you just do that? No, I think the real-time flight from London to Newcastle is still plenty. And, yeah, I'm happy to go and do an eight-hour flight from, from Gatwick to New York and enjoy the flight itself it should be boring but it's not and i think elite dangerous nails that as well because combat is possible but i actually enjoyed elite dangerous avoiding the combat and just doing all the other bits yeah i'm I'm trying to stay away from the combat Uh, i don't really want to get into fights no you can get space fight games if you're that desperate for that and i think you know i like elite dangerous that you you sometimes have to but you can still avoid it for the most part you can be a bounty hunter if you want, or you can just do like legal trading and all, all things like that. It is just, it's just wonderful, wonderful game. Sure is. So we're going to go from the wonderful, and we uh, do we stick with the wonderful or do we go? No, I will tell you what, we're going to bash on Nintendo for a little bit. Why not? Yeah. Why not? Because Nintendo have had a bit of a free ride these past few years because they've hit high after high after high. But some of their moody practices 
are coming back in. I, like everyone, and I assume you was, Stu, was eagerly anticipating what Nintendo would do for Mario's 35th birthday. Would we agree with that? <laughs> uh, well, I, th- I saw all the rumours <laughs> that something was coming, but I was like, oh, 35 years? Oh, all right, then. fair enough. No, just get really excited, otherwise it doesn't work. Okay, yeah, <laughs> no, I was dead excited. <laughs> and then they unveiled a few bits, but then Super Mario All-Stars, should have been Super Mario All-Stars 2, get with the program Nintendo, but Super Mario All-Stars 3D Collection. Yep, absolutely wonderful. Glad to see that. 64, Sunshine and Galaxy. Needs Galaxy 2, but we'll let them off. Showing the history of the 3D Marios before we get to the current point, essentially. And it is, yeah, it's absolutely brilliant to see. I, I was like, yeah, I'm all over that. And then Nintendo announced you can get this game from September the 18th. That's really good. And it will no longer be available after March the 31st. That's all right. You know, I understand limited physical editions. It happens. Um, and they, you know, it's a good way to drive sales. And yeah, so if that's what you want to do, Nintendo, that's fine. I'll get it digitally. Can't afford it straight away, but I'll, I'll get it digitally. Oh, wait, no, that's limited as well. That's ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. And it's insidious as well. This isn't just a, oh, Nintendo's going to be Nintendo. It is absolutely insidious practices from Nintendo here that is damaging. There is no need when it's a first party IP to limit how long it is available for digitally by the nature of being digital that game can't run out it can't run out because it's a digital you you, you know you you get the one file and then you you produce copies of that file but it's not a vhs where every time you play it it gradually loses quality and who thought in 2020 i'd make two vhs references in one podcast <laughs> and it got me to thinking at first of all i was like i oh, really nintendo are you really gonna do that and i was like a bit peeved and it was like great now i've got to make sure i can get this game before it stops um, being available and then it got me to thinking why this is disgusting and why nintendo need bringing down a peg or two with regards to this they are creating a false demand for something by limiting the stock and they are preying on the concept of fear of missing out or fomo and I know that's been something that's been joked about in time, like the fear of missing out is, is like it's kind of one of those jokey mental health scenarios, but it is an issue. And it's one of the reasons I got into massive amounts of debt when I was younger and still struggle with a, a, a lot of things. Because when you create a, a scenario where you've got the haves and have not, that's when you create a danger. I was one of the have-nots at school all the time. I didn't really have name trainers, and I was mocked for it. I was mocked at school for being poor, for not having the best things. And I'm got, I'm got, I would be in there. That led to me actually going and stealing a pair of name trainers out of someone's front porch because I wanted to show that I could have named things. My mum couldn't afford it. I couldn't put that on my mum. And I think I was 12, 13, and I stole a pair of trainers because 
I wanted to be one of the haves. I didn't want to be a have-not. And it was then led to as I got a job when I left school and new consoles or new games were released. And it was like, well, I'm going to have that. I'm going to go out and I'm going to have that. And that led to me sort of prioritising that over everything else, uh, over a lot of other things, because no longer were people going to mock me because I didn't have the, the best new thing. And the same happened when my son was born. I controlled it a bit more now, but it was a case of I made sure he had everything he ever wanted. Not spoiled him, but he wanted to try music. He wanted to try the guitar, so we went out and we got him a guitar to make sure he had that. He, we, you know, he showed interest in certain toys, so we got him those toys and made sure he had them. And that was uh, partly is you know giving your child the chance to experience new things. That's something you've obviously got to do. But it was also that my child is not going to be a have-not. He's not going to be mocked because he cannot have the latest, greatest, newest things. And it's why I wanted to make sure, you know, when he was the age he was, and he knew what video games were, he knew what consoles were, and he wanted a PS4, that he got one on launch. You know, luckily it came in around his birthday. I wanted him to be someone who could go, yeah, I've got a PlayStation 4, and be popular at school maybe because i never was i never had that and it had a massive effect on my mental health that um that fear of missing out and it still does to a degree so what nintendo are doing isn't just a bit of a, a dodgy practice in capitalist culture it's dangerous it is preying on mental health to make profit and this is how this is how bad this is Right, people are giving Nintendo a bit of a pass by going, oh, it's Nintendo, Nintendo are always going to Nintendo. Ask yourself this question. What if this was EA? What would the reaction be if EA turned around and said, FIFA, we're going to release it in October, it's done by January? What would be the reaction to that? Oh, sorry, I thought I was rhetorical. Yeah, no, I mean, it absolutely, it would have been, they, they'd get their asses kicked, and quite yeah. rightly. And Nintendo are behaving disgustingly in this way. I think this in particular feels extremely lazy and extremely exploitative. So you've got three games that are, you know, in most cases, decades old. And all they've done is stick them together and gone, there you go, pay us however much, you know, 40, 50 quid for them. And then they've had the gall to make it, you know, forced scarcity and force people into thinking that they need to buy it immediately, probably because they knew if they had them available forever, people will go, oh, I'll kick that idea down the road. I'll, I'll see, when I've got a bit more cash, I might pick it up, yeah. and then they'll forget about it. Um, but this, like you said, it, it's it's FOMO now because because there's a, a finite time when you can get it, and it'll just be scalpers on eBay. It'll be people paying for it when they can't afford it, and it's a horrible way to behave, yeah. Yeah, and it is. It's, I mean, FOMO has got to stop being a joke thing when it comes to mental health. We started to accept a lot of things around mental health are, are dangerous and they need the respect. Uh, we started to accept addiction and things like that, and that these are proper things that need to be dealt with. But somehow FOMO is still the one where it's easily mockable and laughable and people don't understand it. Uh, you get the I'll oh, just get what you want you haven't got a you haven't got to be a sheep or all this and all this but yeah but that's what we've been programmed to be like it's what 
every single capitalist company wants us to do. It's the reason they have time-limited sales and things like that and limited edition releases on things. And look, Nintendo, with this, you've now got to go, oh, I've got to get, got to get this, I've got to get this because it's only limited. And I'm willing to bet at some point during that September to March period, Nintendo back down from this being limited, but not straight away because they will top load those sales in September, October, in the build-up to Christmas. And then once they start to see them drop, I think at that point they'll go, oh, you know what? I think we made a mistake making this limited. Digitally, we'll keep it on the store. And I think that's what's going to happen because that's the practice you get. And it is playing on our mental health issues uh, collectively that everyone has with regards to this culture of you've got to have what, what's available now and now and not wait for it. I think I heard that they're planning to put them on the store individually to buy at some point in the future rather than in a pack. So they will be available, but it'll be three three times more expensive. Do you know what? I wouldn't mind that. If they went for a limited time, we're going to bundle all these games together and you can get them at 50 quid, for example. Screw screw what they're actually doing prices-wise. You can get all these games bundled for 50 quid between September and March. From March, they will be available separately at 25 quid a piece. That I'm okay with because that's a special. That's but you still got access to those games, and if you want to get them for cheaper, I get that. I still think it's bullcrap as a, as a strategy, but it's a better strategy that still allows people who can't afford it straight away to go. I tell you what, I'll get them piecemeal down the line. At least I know I can, rather than go. What can I do? What can I actually do to find this money to get this game? And it it works with Mayo because. You know, for example, if EA came out and went, hey, look, you can get FIFA's 17, 18 and 19 in a FIFA All-Stars bundle and we're only going to type, no one's going to be bothered because it's FIFA and it gets updated every year. But this is Mario. This is special. It's, you know, it's gaming's greatest icon in some of his most influential games of all time. But many who have a Switch now would never have played. Yeah. You know, the one that most people have played is probably Galaxy at a push. A lot of kids, I say kids, people in their 20s probably haven't experienced Mario 64 or Sunshine. And that they're going to be going, oh, wow, well, yeah, I, I remember, like, you know, my dad or my uncle speaking about this guy. So, oh, yeah, I'll get that. I need to get 50 quid together for it. For me, I, I, I've been scrabbling around going, how can I find 50 quid spare to get this game? And Nintendo, who had been, I suppose, seen as the light in in AAA gaming over the past few years, are going down a slope that probably they're sharing a table with arrogant Sony, because Sony are going into their, their arrogant spell at the moment. On the flip side of all of that, let's talk about good guy Microsoft, shall we? Yeah. Now, it's very easy just to go, oh, my God, the Xbox Series S is 250 quid. That is amazing. Because, yeah, 250 quid for next gen, it's cheaper than a Switch. It works as an additional system or as a main system. Absolutely brilliant. But this is only part of why Microsoft have been brilliant over the past, say, say 12 months or so. 
while Sony have been shouting from the rooftops, puffing out their chest with, look at all our exclusives, we're Sony, we, you know, we're leading the race here, forgetting what happens when they get like that, when they become arrogant Sony again and they're into that cycle leading into the PS5. Microsoft have positioned themselves, they've looked at the global market at the moment, they've looked at what's going on in the world, and it's almost as if they've gone, right, look, People are not going to have as much disposable income over the next three, four years. They're looking at it and going, people haven't got five to six hundred pounds to shell out. So what can we do? And they've gone, right, okay, here's our next gen, most powerful console of all time to date. So Xbox Series X, absolutely wonderful looking console, bells, whistles, meant to apparently completely sort of like put consoles ahead of pc for the first time obviously until nvidia spoke out and that's there for what's it 500 quid i was priced out of that i can't afford 500 quid which is fine because what microsoft has done is they've gone right game pass so you can buy that console 500 quid and you've immediately got a massive library there you go game pass is in there so that's an option for people who could just afford 500 quid but couldn't afford games to go with it by the way, all your old controllers that worked on the Xbox One, yeah, no, that's fine. Use them. Not a problem. They're all going to work. Brilliant. Backwards compatibility with hardware. That's another tip for Microsoft. We understand some people probably can't even afford the console, let alone the games with it. So I tell you what, if you've got Game Pass Ultimate and you want to pay for that and you've still got your original Xbox there, not your original Xbox, but your Xbox One, not the original Xbox One, but the new Xbox One, get your naming conventions right microsoft that's about the only thing you're blowing at the moment we've bought our x cloud and anything on game pass that's first party you can stream and play on the xbox one that's going to happen we're going to bring that out x cloud will allow you to play xbox one x games on an xbox one via streaming people want to try next gen without spending out extra that's an option so what about people who haven't even got an Xbox One, but they want to try it? Fine. Do you know what? That xCloud works on Android phones and will eventually probably work on PC as well. So there's an option. Oh, Game Pass for PC. So you can, we've actually got a Game Pass library collection on PC as well, should you want that. But we need another option. What about the people who want a next-gen experience, but they don't want to do it via streaming or they don't want to spend out £500 on a console? Maybe they've only got... A 1080p tv still most people still only have a 1080p tv what can we do for them so we bring out a mid-range console that is next gen capable of playing all the xbox series x games processes it all at 1080p locally but outputs to a 4k tv using modern technology upscaling which we've seen through dlss can be pretty damn spectacular results that's good. What do we expect the price to be? I was expecting to see this series, this series S come out. I was expecting three hundred forty-nine to three hundred ninety-nine quid. You know, it's just removing the disc drive, but two hundred and fifty pounds. That goes from I can't afford next gen at all to that puts me now to well, that's the kids' Christmas sorted. Two hundred and fifty quid between them. They both love gaming. A next gen console for two hundred and fifty quid. Yeah. Sorted. I, I'm in. Microsoft, you've got me. Absolutely brilliant from them. Now, I know that's to make money. I know they're doing all this because they're a business and they want to make money. But what they seem to have realised, compared to the back end of la like uh, the start of this generation, 
is the best way to make money is to be consumer friendly. You can make money and be consumer friendly, and that's what Microsoft have done. And they cannot be praised high enough for that. Yeah, it's it's great. It's such a great strategy. It doesn't mean, like you say, that we're suddenly like, oh, well, big, you know, this big business is it's suddenly great. It's suddenly, you know, it's not an ultra capitalist organization, but it does mean that they're producing goods that people on a lower budget can get and it's scalable. So if they want a a more powerful machine, they can get it. If someone else in the family ends up with a PC and they can play on the PC, they can do that. If they've just got an Android phone, they can get into xCloud. So yeah, it's really, really clever. And I I can't help but think they're going to be hoovering up cash left, right, and center. And I think that PS5's got a great niche in that it's going to be very powerful and it's going to work very well and it's going to have the best exclusive games. But I question mark is over the attach rate so how many games are going to people going to be able to afford so they'll push they'll push their money and they'll push their credit card so they can buy a ps5 but how many games are they actually going to buy Hmm. and how much is sony going to be losing out by not offering something similar to to game pass in the short term exactly so this this is the difference what microsoft have done is gone look whatever your budget we want to help you play video games we want you to play on our system in any way possible whether you've owned a box or not we want you to be able to play it so we we're selling to you we we want you and that's anyone we don't care who you are whereas sony's attitude with how they're doing their pre-orders for the playstation 5 is they want us to prove to them that we're good enough to be in with a chance of owning a ps5 because they've got this sign-up thing that looks at how much of a a PlayStation fan you've been. So I think they use the data, from what I understand, to look at what purchases you've made. Um, I believe they take down some of your social account details as well, so they can maybe look to see if you've always praised the PlayStation brand or if you've been attacking them at any point. And they use this data they're collecting to then put you on a list as to, okay, now you can be one of the ones who can possibly pre-order. And then you you can pre-order. You're not guaranteed still, but you get the chance to pre-order. And Sony seemed to have watched Black Mirror and rather than looking at this bleak dystopian future, have gone, tell you what, boys, that's how we're going to start doing business. Yeah. will basically use people's social media as a way of credit checking them and proving that they deserve our product. Um, and I've gone from, I really want a PlayStation 5. I like the PlayStation 5. I'm not a fanboy as such already. I'm not like, oh, I don't want that. I don't want that. The PlayStation 5 looks like it's doing lots of good things. Um, it seems like they're going to have another push with VR, which would be compatible with it. But old controllers weren't compatible but now they are with certain games if they get it to work with them so you need to buy all new hardware for for it as well it's top price they've only knocked a hundred dollars off so what they're gonna knock about 50 60 quid off for the discless version and it's the one entry point i'm priced out of that and i've gone from uh i'll get a playstation 5 and hopefully i can do um 
Microsoft Game Pass on PC instead for a bit and then maybe get one down the line. So do you know what? Screw the PlayStation 5. Screw the way they are wanting me to prove myself to them to be worthy of their product. Why, you know, not happening. Microsoft have welcomed me with open arms. They don't care whether I can afford a top-of-the-range console with all the extra bits. They're happy for me to to use what I've already got if I had to. Or they're happy for me to buy the cheaper version and use my old Xbox controllers. That's that's the sort of business I'm okay working with. And again, I know they're in it to make money. I'm not naive. They're not my friend. You know, I don't attach myself to a company like that. But what they're doing is, yes, they're using, again people's scenarios at the moment and going look we're cheap as you can get on board and they are possibly losing money on some aspects but yeah absolutely nailed it if you've got the spare cash you can get the the best if you haven't you can still get on board and the more people that are on board the more successful they become and with gaming moving more into a subscription-based thing, which I predicted four years ago, by the way. But Microsoft, they've read the market this time. They've got it spot on. Arrogant Sony are shooting themselves in the foot. Yeah. Well, the, uh, the PS5 was quite tempting to me, but they kind of shot themselves in, a f- in the foot in a way because they said, oh, we've seen that our titles are selling really well when we put them on PC. We're going to start doing more of that. And I was like, great, I won't need to, basically won't need to buy a PS5 at all. Because, yeah, I could just wait for your exclusives. Like Death Stranding, I was desperate for. But I waited for the PC one because I knew it'd be better. And, yeah, that's it. Where's my need for a PS4 anymore? So PS5 now, and especially what you said about their practices, has driven it pretty much entirely out of my mind. I mean, I might pick one up secondhand six years down the line if... Gran Turismo 6 doesn't come to anything else. But if it comes to the PC, that's that's screwed from my perspective. Yeah, no, and for me, I mean, I suppose this is where I I am a fanboy to a degree. Sony's exclusives, Microsoft's exclusives, aren't what sell me. Um, What sells me is where I can play the most games, any games. We know that I'm a massive indie fan. And if I can play indies on it, I'll play indies on it. Um, and then I'll, I'll dip my toe into Halo or I'll dip my toe into, um, into God of War or something like that. But they are never the driving force for me. And I know I'm an outlier when it comes, comes to that. Um, but all Sony seem to have going into this generation is their crop of exclusives. And that's it. There's, no, there's nothing, unless you really want to play God of War, um, uh, the next Uncharted or, or, or things like that, the next Last of Us, because I dare say there'll be a third Last of Us, so not the Last of Us, because there's always more. If you want to play, okay, you know what, great, great. And I'm not, I'm not crapping on those games. They are wonderful games. But unless you are, that's it, that's all I want to play, then for me the options now becoming is a playstation worth it because you have really got to invest and i reckon you've got to invest what is it to say it's five it's 500 pounds for the for the main console you have really really got to invest on obviously games for that as well and we know it's not just one game and that will see you through for ages so that 500 quid i think soon tops a grand 
by the end of a year. And that has to make you think about whether it's actually worth it for those few exclusives. Whereas at the moment with Microsoft, 250 quid to get into it if you actually want a next-gen physical product, plus a tenner a month for Game Pass Ultimate, and you've got a ton of games to play there. That's your investment. So what's that? It's 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 less than 400 quid for a next-gen experience across the year. Yeah, that that makes a difference. It does. And like you say, when things are the subscription model, they're spread out. The, the cost is spread out. So even though it's that 400, not only is it a lower value, but it's spread out over a, a longer duration as well. And which that makes people, you know, like myself, like myself, I'm coming to, you live in month to month, yeah. really. You're not living, you know, with this huge amount of money that, in the background that, that means that you're comfortable. So yeah, it's, it's a huge thing. And I think they've made the right decision. Yeah. And it's, it's a really weird one because when I saw that, I didn't. I'm not going reaction video, like running around screaming, cheering, because I don't generally do that. But I felt good that day because I went from going, my son really wants a next-gen console for Christmas, and I don't think I could afford one for him. I'm going to have to let him down. And I've been trying to convince him, ah, oh, you know, next-gen, it's not, it's, you don't need to jump in early. And I know you don't because it's you usually want the second wave of next-gen stuff. I was like, you don't really need to jump in early, do you, Lucas? And he's like, oh, no, I suppose not. And that makes me feel crap that I'm having to try and undersell what, what these, these systems are to him. And try and convince him that it's not all it's cracked up to be so that he wants maybe something else for Christmas to I can get him next gen for Christmas. That That's a great thing. And he hasn't got to miss out. Again, I suppose it is on the FOMO side, but not in the insidious way Nintendo are doing it at the moment. And I felt really good about myself that day because I can give my son something I know he wants. And blah, 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 yes, it's not all about what you provide them money-wise or goods. It's all about how much you love them, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, that is true. But he's a 13-year-old kid who wants things because that's what he's been driven to be told all the time. So he wants a next-gen console because he's told, like, what he's got is going to be obsolete. And now I can do it. And damn, if I didn't feel good that I could actually turn around to him, went back at school, went, Lucas, do you want an Xbox for Christmas still? I do, Dad, yeah, but you can't see how I can't afford one. I went, yeah, look at this. And his face lit up. So, yeah, it's good for your mental health when you get options and you're not priced out of something because you don't have fear of missing out. You have possibilities. Yeah. And, yeah, I, 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 I'm going to go probably probably back on myself. I carry on with it. It's just, yeah, absolutely spectacular stuff for Microsoft and well done them. And it's not often I'll say that about a, cap, uh, a corporation. Yeah, I mean, there's always the there's the thing in the you have to have in the back of your mind of well, okay, so things are good now with with their strategy. The fact that they're an open platform comparatively compared to Sony's, and it's a scr- subscription model means prices can change, and that's the that's the only thing. I mean, hardware prices traditionally fall, but subscription models they tend to go up in price. Yeah. And they often decline in quality. I mean, you don't have to look at Netflix, you know, for that. We watch it because it's got the most content, but in the past they had less content, but of higher quality, arguably. So, 
I don't think either of us are naive enough to go, this is the, f- the final answer to all of these problems. No. But Christmas is coming. It's going to be in the start of the worst recession ever. We've got Brexit hanging over, over us. We've got COVID hanging over us. And loads of kids can afford to have an Xbox Series S. And that's got to be good news. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 100%. So it's not often we do just a full-on gaming version of the podcast, but yeah, it's lots of good stuff and bad stuff happening that I felt needed addressing this week. Yeah. Talking of subscription models, by the way. Nice segue. I know. We have subscriptions, in a way. We are improving our Patreon so you can get early access to the podcast on one of the tiers. And if you're on our Patreon, then you get to hear all the mistakes. That's got to be worth it. That's got to be worth your week, your month. For the price of a cup of coffee, that's what they always say, isn't it? For the price of a cup of coffee, you get to hear every podcast mistake we make. On the higher tier, you get exclusive pop culture style podcast nothing mental health based because again nothing to do with mental health is ever going to be gated behind any kind of subscription or payment or anything like that and i've also flirted with the idea well i've put it on there of you can get some merch there's a sticker for people who subscribe to the next tier up the all access tier Um, so give it a look give it a look give us feedback what would you like to see what would entice you into subscribing, uh, those kinds of things, um, and we'll take it all on board. Otherwise, you can join us on Discord for chat. We're on Twitter, as usual. Twitch and live streams will start becoming more regular. And then failing that as well, there is also another platform, YouTube, where we're doing more video reviews. The five-minute ramble is new, and we'll get more loads of other content on there as well. But yeah, thank you for listening. Hope you've enjoyed the show. We'll see you again next week.